0: Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Menopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Natalie. How are you today? Going super. We are nearing the end of the year. We've got lots of things happening, tying up loose ends, Christmas shopping, all the works, haven't we?
1: Yeah, got to start that Christmas shopping. But anyway, another another thing, another thought for another time.
0: So this is our second last episode for 2023 uh, and, dare I say, episode 99. Keep an eye out for episode 100 coming up in a week's time. Just on reflection, have been looking at some of our past episodes and we realised that we haven't really spoken recently about Women's health at work or menstruation and menopause at work. And we thought we've seen so much change and inroads take place over this past year. And we thought, why not share some of the things that we're seeing and, in particular, highlight why this is a workplace issue? Because, again, even though we've had some really great inroads and we're seeing some really positive shifts around this topic in the workplace, there is still a long, long, long way to go. And it's only through conversations that we're having here and conversations that we're having with others out in business and community that we can really start to highlight why we need to be addressing specific and targeted women's health within workplaces. Yeah, bang on. And, and it, you know, it's an ongoing
1: conversation. So it's it's quite timely that we're bringing it up again and probably just revisiting some stuff that we've done previously, but going the next step in relation to what the, um, you know, what some research is telling us. And I think you've got some recent
0: research, Nat. Did you want to share that? So, last week I had the pleasure of being on a panel for the Women in Law Forum in Melbourne. And the MC of our panel brought my attention back to the recent research by Deloitte, which um, has a focus on women at work, a global outlook. And this survey was of 5,000 women across 10 countries. And although they found signs of progress for women in the workplace, There were still quite a few challenges that had been um, identified through this research and, in fact, had worsened over that period of time. And I wanted to share some of those stats that um, had come out and that were communicated and shared with the attendees of the event. They've seen that there has been a significant decline in the number of respondents who feel comfortable talking about mental health in the workplace Uh, Fewer women feel they get adequate mental health support from their employer. More women feel unable to switch off from work, even as um, they bear the greatest responsibility for household tasks. And a lack of flexibility at work is driving career decisions. So more women worldwide have left their jobs in the past 12 months than in 2021 and 2020 combined. And the lack of flexibility is among the top reasons cited. And then, new to this report, the research also explored how women's health issues impact their working lives. And it identified that one in five women report experiencing health challenges related to menstruation or menopause. And many have said that they worked through the pain and the discomfort, at least in part due to a persistent stigma around these topics. Now, a lot of this probably isn't new to us, but in recent research, it really just again highlights the importance of bringing women's health specifically to the workplace.
1: Yeah, and it still highlights we've got we've still got a long way to go, don't we? The- for some, I don't want to say basic stuff, but for stuff that, you know, for issues or reasons around what will keep women at work and feel supported by their employer. I think when it comes to women's health issues, I'm just having a look myself at it too. and that you know that struggling that struggle in silence and not actually in working through it that's really um i find that really sad that we just can't put our hands up and be able to speak to you know line managers or people feel that they can't do that so
0: yeah yeah you really are right that there is still a gap in women feeling comfortable in able in being able to talk about such topics and i think the fact that there is still that ingrained stigma and there is still a lot of impact on women's mental health. You know, it's it's mind-boggling, but we understand and we understand that phases such as menopause really does play a part in women's mental health and in particular the way that they are showing up in the workplace, even from the point of view of, you know, not, I guess, coming from themselves, but more around um, that support element too. You know, they're coming into work and they're feeling like, They need to hide the experience that they're having. They need to hide what they're feeling. They can't talk about it. And deep down inside, they're really struggling with the impact of the symptoms. And and probably as well, it's, it's around feeling the impact of not being able to talk about it and feeling like they've got nowhere to turn and they don't have the support really does play a big part in whether women stay in the workplace or whether they leave.
1: You know and as you talk that through i'm just wondering uh my head just goes back to we need this to change and i you know i think we're certainly there are uh, businesses out there that are taking the step but honestly i'm not so sure there's enough of them that are taking that step maybe they're waiting for others to to go before them just to suck and see so to speak Uh, i've spoken to a friend of mine who actually works for quite a large organization here in Melbourne and she has told me that their, uh, their thoughts around promoting or, you know, supporting uh, and starting the conversation for menopause, I should say, well, that's probably not there yet. And, you know, they probably won't see that happening for another year or two. And my, com- and my thoughts around that is really, like, you know, this, we are talking about it and it's becoming so much, you know, women, men, um, everyone in the workplace is becoming so so more aware of it or much more aware of it what's holding these organizations back in actually starting the conversation supporting their their people uh having you know having some ongoing support within the organization for them to be able to reach out to if they are are having issues and prevent some of these this research that we've got, that these comments back to us that are showing us that there's just not the support there, or their mental health is being, uh, you know, impacted. Are we waiting? What are we? What are we waiting for? I mean, that's the thing that sort of is really in my mind, and what they're waiting for is to take the next steps.
0: Yes, good question. What are we waiting for? And I guess too, we know that a lot of critical decisions across business really does derive from governments. It really does come from the top and it is Mm. very much derived from what's on their agenda, what strategies are in place, who's in place. We know that there is an inquiry that's um, being rolled out as part of uh, Australian government. Um, I know that we're in the process of, or we've just introduced that, I believe, hasn't
1: it? Yeah yeah and, and that's all well and good and i get all of that and but i, I still think at the end of the day and maybe i'm um, you know coming up from a very simplified lens which you know simplify simple and organizations and business sometimes don't go hand in hand right but if i've got a workforce that is unhappy or not feeling supported or feels like they need to leave their jobs because flexibility isn't there um, the support isn't there their mental health isn't being supported i would you know if that were my business i'd be wanting to do something about it and i think that the flow on effect just from a business point of view of having women uh, retaining women in my organization from a middle or whatever level but we know that senior level women are not that quota uh well not quota those numbers aren't there for suitably qualified women because they're leaving you know that's a big that would be a big um motivator for me to ensure that my workforce is supported. And it's and of course it's also not just the women too. It's around supporting everyone else in the workplace, around the whole the whole subject around supporting those going through menopause and how the workplace can make a difference. And Mm. even just our managers, our line managers and being able to support them to have the conversation. And a lot of it goes back to the simplicity around it. I realise that, but I just figure that it's just like a no brainer.
0: No, agree. And and that's what I was saying in terms of, you know, government really does drive The focus through strategy, Mm. but then also you think about it, we in Australia, we've got the women's health strategy, 2020 to 2030. Well, women's health, this phase of life absolutely fits under that strategy. And so what are we doing to support women around menopause from a women's health perspective? Even if you don't want to call it menopause or call it for what it is, we're still looking more broadly at women's health. And then all the focus around gender equality and female representation into senior leadership positions. Well, this phase of life absolutely feeds into that strategy and that work. And here is an opportunity for workplaces and the business community to really stand up and say, I want to lead this charge because I'm passionate about keeping women in the workplace, seeing them excel within the workplace, and not just for the women for today, but women for generations to come as well. And so there's things that businesses can absolutely start to do and should be doing. And why not be the first ones to lead that charge in this country? Yeah, the change
1: makers. And, you know, we've seen some really positive stuff, obviously, through the year where Um, A number of organisations are taking hold, but, uh, you know, taking the the action to do that and that's really great and, you know, we want to probably call them the change makers, I suppose, where this is all concerned, but we need a whole lot more organisations to be stepping up to the plate and doing it and taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, and making those changes and being, you know, put their money where their mouth is and really marching forward so that their their people can be supported, especially the women within those within those organizations.
0: Yes, definitely. And I wanted to talk through some of the things that we are seeing that we're working with businesses mm. about, but also some of the things that our businesses can be doing. And I guess one thing I do want to highlight and just address some ambiguity or possible ambiguity here. I feel like maybe it's possible that men and perhaps wider society feel like women understand or know what menopause is. And so why do they need anyone else or a workplace to tell them what it is? But I want to, I guess, squash that mentality here and now because we have not been given that education. And there is a real gap in the education that women, girls and women have been given over the generations. And unfortunately, we just have not had the what and the why around our menstrual cycles or around menopause. And we are now absolutely looking for that education. And the workplace really serves as a positive place, particularly if your workplace is already providing wellbeing initiatives and supportive um, measures, why not bring in some more targeted gender-specific initiatives that really address the specific needs of all of your employees and where they are in their life? So I just wanted to squash that, that we don't know and we have not had that knowledge. And now is the opportunity to uh, close that education gap. Don't you agree? yeah totally agree and you know what if you and you know
1: we speak to a lot of males in the work that we do and if you ask them the same thing about things that are happening to their body they'll say that they don't know either and you know again it's that lack of education right so um and then you could possibly say well why don't you go out and find about it because men and women leave school they go to uni they work they be, they get busy they you know are busy lives and yeah they might do a bit of googling and things like that but um I think to know the ins and outs of what's happening to their body takes a little bit more time, and we most definitely should be including it a whole lot more into our curriculum there's a point there, but. The next place the next libel pla- you know the next. place that they can learn this is in the workplace, and you know the workplace is definitely educating its workforce around all things health and well being so um, it makes perfect sense for menstrual menopause um, education to be included with that point blank.
0: Spot on and and really that leads to the next point that education is really the foundation and in order to try and change the stigma for women to feel supported, for um, male employees to feel like they can support the women in their life, we need to provide that education about Women's bodies, their cycles and their phases, and um, in tandem, perhaps with uh, men's life phases and cycles too, as as you say, Lise. And and you know, this from that piece of education, it then becomes an opportunity to then train leaders and managers within workplaces as well, and emphasise the importance of leaders and managers understanding these phases and how they can possibly impact women at work but also how to create an environment where women feel safe and comfortable in discussing their experiences or, or just being open about what they are experiencing.
1: Yeah, and it's so important. And it's that psychological safety that we come back to too, isn't it? And that we talk about so much in our workshops that we deliver. So true, Nat. I think the education is just the, it's the basis from which we spring from in, in order to make a difference here.
0: And if I can go back to one of our podcast episodes with Barbara Lewis Hamilton from the UK, who is a menopause ambassador within her workplace, and she reiterated the very important point that the first response that a woman gets back from her manager or leader when she opens up about menopause is vitally critical as to whether or not she will remain in the company or not. So Mm -hmm. if she mentions that she is struggling with uh, menopause or not feeling supported, that manager's or colleague's response to her is really critical. And that is really going to lead the way as to how she feels in the workplace, whether she stays, and also how she verbalises her experience or her exit from the workplace as well. Because, again, remember, employees are customers of the businesses in which they work for or possibly – But they're also advocates for the businesses that they've worked with as well. And so Mm. it's there's a whole flow-on effect here that we, you know, we want to see businesses and our experiences in our workplace as positive. And we want to be able to share those experiences. But something so simple as an initial response back can really tarnish the way someone feels about a company.
1: Yeah, and you make some really good points because for that next generation coming through, I remember reading some research a little while ago around what is it the gen Gen, whatever it is after me but things that were uh, particularly important to them was flexibility um, and we've highlighted that in this uh, research is something that is floundering and also the health and well-being around what a organisation uh, is actively doing within an organisation so that next generation of um, workforce coming through they're, they're things that are top of mind for them so Every organisation really needs to make sure that they're adjusting their workplace um, initiatives or offerings to that next generation of a workforce coming through.
0: Mm, yes, and it really leads perfectly into the next point where there's an opportunity here for businesses to review their existing well-being initiatives and look at how can they actually remove from these cookie cutter approaches that they might have and actually create more customized tailored initiatives that really genuinely address the diverse needs of both women and men? And then how do you create tangible support initiatives? So rather than a checkbox, tick and a flick, as we usually say, how do you create initiatives that really do provide some actionable responses. So really thinking about okay, we've provided the education now, we're all informed as a wider workplace and as individuals. Now I want to take that education and that information and I want to provide actionable steps. And that's the key there. Education is is the starting foundation. then how do we provide actionable steps where women feel like they're supported? because we know that women are really struggling. They're feeling like they're not supported across all facets, feeling very invisible. How do we bring them back into the light and feel supported?
1: Mm, and I think that the key that with all of that too is this doesn't have to be complicated either. And um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do in our workshops really goes back to the basics around, around it not being complicated. So I think sometimes, I wonder if corporates think it's gonna to be too hard Uh, But yet, you know, if they're opening up the conversation, which we tend to to get involved with around the workshops and programs that we do, it leads, it naturally leads to the next steps where um, you often find that people want to speak up more and be more inclusive around what the solution is for the whole workplace. So it doesn't have to be something that is hard and getting, you know, uh, employees on board can make that whole next step a whole lot easier.
0: Definitely. And, you know, I'm sort of of the mindset too, if your workplace is already spending money on wellbeing initiatives, and they're not getting the outcomes that they're looking for, why not try? Why not try something that's a bit more targeted and a bit more specific and see what yeah. what outcomes you get? Um, we yeah. know from experience of workshops we've delivered, just by simply providing this workshop, whether women attend or not, they just feel so appreciative that the workplace has even acknowledged this as a topic for the workplace, and that support is required.
1: Yeah, bang on, that. I couldn't add anything more to that.
0: So I guess just in closing then, if you are working in a, a business or perhaps you're a leader in a business, what's one step that you could take to start to introduce this topic into the workplace or what do you even look for for 2024? Obviously, we're coming to the end of the year, but how do you set next year up for success? And we've shared before in past episodes that themed days, really play an an important part in being able to bring this topic to the forefront because we appreciate the fear and the shame that is associated with this phase of life. And if um, connecting education to themed days is an avenue for you to start to introduce it, why not? So we've got International Women's Day, which is March 8th, In 2024, Friday, I believe that is. And then in Australia, we've got Women's Health Week, which is the first week of September. And then um, 18th of October is World Menopause Day. And I know it feels like that's a really long time away, but how can you start to introduce this vocabulary? How can you start to introduce this dialogue? What workshops or what campaigns can you run across specific themed days and just start to really introduce it and start to create a, an environment of safety and comfort that women could actually say the word menopause out loud. That's a big tick off, off the uh,
1: list, definitely just being able to say that, I think, Nat. Yes, yes.
0: There's a real opportunity here to shift the mindset, we've we've spoken about that before, but also embrace the opportunity that comes from this phase of life. And we don't need to do it in isolation. We don't need to do it uh, just as women alone. We can broaden this out and include men and go along this adventure together and really tap into each other's strengths and, and use that to move forward, to create workplaces to create careers to create the community to the the family networks that we all really desire in our life
1: I think that's great great place to finish actually
0: fabulous well as I said in the opening we really look forward to our 100th episode which will be our last episode for 2023 before we take a much-needed break and uh, we will see you then thanks Nat